Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks, and hacks for a way to live better. Welcome to another episode of the One Year No Beer podcast. I'm your guest host, Chris Laping, sitting in for the incomparable Rory Fairbairns, who, as you all know, lost his father a few weeks ago. So I'm humbled to sit in on his behalf as he takes care of his family. Our hearts are with him and his family at this time. For those of you who did not tune in to the last podcast, just a quick intro on who I am. I am One Year No Beer's mastermind head coach, and I'm also a proud investor and board member, and I'm happy to be here with all of you. So as I kick off this week's podcast, one thing that I'll mention is when we get feedback about the podcast, some of the most popular podcasts that we have are when we have discussions with other One Year No Beer members. And this week we have a guest from our One Year No Beer community, and you may have seen her in the Challenger group. Her name is Dominika Yurikova, and I'm excited to have her on the show telling her story because, again, I think we can all find our stories in the stories of other members, and we can find inspiration from the adversity that they've overcome and the transformation that they've experienced. So let me welcome to this week's podcast, Dominica, and I guess I can call you Dr. Dominica now, yes? Hi, Chris. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for having me, first of all. And yes, it sounds weird, even to me, because nobody has called me uh, doctor yet. It's very <laughs> fresh, but uh, it's indeed the case. Well, I am going to uh, love calling you doctor. Uh, for some reason, there's just something about the way I was raised that when you are talking to someone who has properly earned and gone through the work of a PhD, you should address them as doctor. So I will start doing that. But I am, I'm so excited to be talking to you this week and having you on the show to tell your story. I originally met you in the June Mastermind Group, which we will talk a little bit more about later. Uh, and I just think you are so strong. Uh, you've overcome a lot and you've accomplished a lot. And your story is really inspirational and I know that as others in this audience get to hear your story, they will um, be as interested and inspired as I have been in getting to know you. So let's jump right into our chat. And, and here's where I'd love to start this conversation. I'd love to start with here and now. And specifically, where are you currently on your alcohol-free journey? How many days have you been alcohol-free? And if you had to just choose two to three words that describe exactly 
how things are right now, what would you say? So I'm currently on day 273. Wow. I had to check it out on my I'm Sober app (laughs) because I I couldn't remember exactly. Um, And in two or three words, um, it's actually becoming a bit boring because I always respond, I am doing great. I am doing amazing. And I know it may be uh, amazing sound fake but this is actually how I feel and I didn't always feel this way and for me actually it's so refreshing to be able to say that so I'm very happy to 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 say it's uh, it's the case it's been the case for quite uh, some time now and uh, I'm really enjoying this particular moment of my life mm. you know It's always a good sign that people are doing pretty well on their journey when they actually have to open up an app or look at the calendar to know how many days they've been alcohol free. Um, If you were to go back a year in time, so I mean, here you are 273 days in, you feel amazing. Um, If you went back a year ago today, would you have ever expected that you could be in this place? Definitely not. A year ago, um, I was quite depressed and uh, I was in quite a dark place as well. So I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't even sure whether I'd (laughs) survive another year like that. Mm. So uh, it's definitely something I didn't expect and I'm I'm very happy. I'm very happy how the situation has evolved. 2020 has been a horrendous year totally for pretty much everyone but i have to say very selfishly but that it's probably it's been my best year ever mm. so uh, in in contrast to everything that's happening outside in my own life in particular it's it's been very different mm. so if we went back uh in time now and um to the place where you decided that you needed to make a change. I mean, you, you just said a year ago, it was a dark place, um, a depressed place. Um, when did you decide that you needed to try alcohol-free living? You know, what what was going on in your life and why was it important to make a change? And, and obviously, um, you know, if you could give some of the details and specifics about things that were going on a year ago and then leading up to this moment in in time where you decided to take a break from alcohol. Um, You know, I'd love to hear a little bit about that part of the journey. Of course. Um, Well, alcohol had always been part of my life. I come from a country uh, where social drinking is, is very normalized, unfortunately. And, um, it's considered completely normal, you know, to, to go out and binge drink on Fridays, but also to have a few drinks pretty much every night at home uh, for many people. And this is what I'd always seen uh, all around me. Uh, But for quite some time, it wasn't really, I didn't consider it as a, as a problem, but then um, I, um, I found myself in this, 
very abusive and toxic relationship uh, for various reasons. And um, it was really a downward spiral. I was um, um, suffering quite a bit. And at a certain point, I wasn't I wasn't sure whether I am actually a reliable witness of what's happening any longer. If uh, mm. if you see what I mean, I I wanted to get out of the relationship and of my own dark thoughts and everything, but I just felt at a certain point that I needed to have a a clear head to be able to do that because I wasn't sure what's uh, just my impression and what's reality any longer. So this is when I, I decided I needed to take control over my life again because mm. I was pretty much feeling I was losing control of everything, including my job at the time and uh, the relationship itself, obviously. And uh, I had lost uh, interest in many of my hobbies, which was very unlike me. Mm. So I wouldn't say there was one day when, you know, anything particular happened, uh, but it was just a buildup. And uh, at one point, I just decided this couldn't go on like this any longer. And I, I started um, working on, on becoming myself again, let's mm. put it that way. And what was your action plan for taking a break from alcohol? You said that you, um, it was clear to you that you were not in control. And, um, and so to get clear head and clear thinking related to all this, a you know, break from alcohol would be necessary. W- what was your action plan or how did you think you were going to um, um, approach taking a break from alcohol? I knew that I was probably able to do it on my own in the sense that I didn't need, uh, you know, like a serious detox or anything like that. But at the same time, I knew I needed to get away Mm. geographically, but also mentally from the place I was living in. Uh, So uh, I did what I very often do when I need some space and I bought flight tickets Mm. to the other side of the world. Uh, I went to this uh, beautiful island of uh, Bali. Mm. Uh, It was winter time. So for me, it was paradise, not only because uh, it offered me escape, but also because it offered me sun where I didn't have it uh, here in Luxembourg, which is... um, known as a very rainy and uh, um, gray country. Mm. And um, yeah, so one day I just decided to to fly away to Bali for, for one month. Uh, I had uh, looked on the internet for um, different organizations and centers that could help me out with uh, with my problem. And I was really looking for um, a holistic program that would um, um, help me with the root causes of why I was coping in a way I was coping. Mm. 
and uh, Bali was uh, where I found uh, the perfect place for me. You know, I was having a conversation with someone this morning, and we were drawing the distinction between when we uh, drink, some of us have an addiction to drinking, and um, and some of us just have really bad habits related to drinking. And so that's, as you're saying, I mean, that's the surface symptom is that we're drinking a lot. And then there are these root causes underneath that we have to address. Where do you think you fell at that time in drinking? Do you think you were, it was more of a bad habit or do you think you had an addiction um, that was getting the best of you? Well, I would say it's both. At, at that time, it, it was it was definitely both because um, well, if you drink regularly, then you pretty much it's inevitable that you become addicted, even if it's on a low level. Uh, that's uh, my conviction. It's maybe it's not the case for some binge drinkers who can go uh, without alcohol for even a couple of weeks. But if you do it every day or every other day, then there is some level of physical addiction involved for sure. Uh, but mostly it was a coping strategy. And uh, this is what I was taught by uh, my surroundings, by the society from a very young age. Uh, you are feeling blue or low. You just go and get drunk. This is what you do. Mm. Oh, honey, just have a drink and forget it. <laughs> That's what <laughs> your friends say very often. And it's well-meaning, I'm sure. But this is what we uh, as a society teach people. So no surprise, uh, uh, people then self-medicate and uh, necessarily uh, it just, by the very nature of, of um, what alcohol is, it needs to deteriorate uh, gradually. And this is what happened in my case. Yeah, and drinking, and, and this is something we talked about in the last podcast episode, becomes this avoidance strategy. And we have uh, deep-seated things going on in our life, whether it's heartache or setback, uh, failure, disappointment, and drinking becomes the go-to. And it is reinforced in society as a normal go-to, but ultimately we're just avoiding those root cause problems. And so it sounds like you went to Bali to get to the root cause problems. And and my question for you is, what did you learn about yourself when you started to jump into the root cause problems? What what was underneath the surface that perhaps, you know, alcohol was helping you avoid? I learned that something I had actually suspected, but I really explored it in Bali, um, that I have this deep-rooted fear of being abandoned and being alone, mm. uh, especially as a woman of being left to my own means. And uh, I learned that Alcohol was just a coping strategy like any other, a very unhealthy one, obviously, but just a coping strategy and that there was nothing wrong with me. Uh, this is what I knew. So I naturally reached uh, to this thing. 
but uh, I understood that I am far from being the only one <laughs> who's um, who who has this this issue, this fear. Uh, that's obviously related to my past experience as a child, as a teenager later. Um, so I I learned that I basically. This is something what we say every day, what we share every day in the challenges group. Uh, the the fir- first and foremost um, thing to do is to love yourself. And I think I, at the time, I definitely didn't love myself. Mm. I I didn't have respect for myself. And this is why I was looking for happiness and for uh, validation in other people. That must have been um, painful in some ways to confront that when you were, you know, alone in another part of the world uh, with really a group of strangers around you. You were confronting being alone and the fear of abandonment. Um, That process must have been just, uh, you know, was I guess let me just ask you. What was that process like for you? Did, you know, was there elation that came out of it? Like, an, uh, you know, uh, a relief that you had figured some of this out about yourself, you know, or or was it the opposite? You know, what were you experiencing during that time? It was painful, but at the same time, it's it's very liber- liberating to do it in front of complete strangers. Mm-hmm. I think this is, actually one of the reasons why one you know beer is so successful because obviously we share things that we wouldn't share on our regular facebook wall very often Mm. and uh, so for me bali was the same i I met uh, a wonderful group of people who cared for me and okay i didn't know them but uh, actually, I, I within 24 hours of my stay there, I got to know have, know them better than I do many of my mm. friends or colleagues here in Luxembourg. So um, it's it's this uh, um, typical example of a bartender uh, to whom you'll probably tell your deepest secrets uh, secrets um, quicker than to your some of your closest friends. So this is what happened uh, for me in, in uh, Bali, and it was uh, yes, it was painful, but it was um, I would compare it to a dentist's visit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it it's so painful in that moment, but at the same time, you know, it's this healing pain. You need to you 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 know that you need to undergo this pain to to heal properly afterwards. That's this a, is how it felt. That's a great analogy. Christine keeps telling me I need to get to the dentist, by the way, and I'm using COVID as my excuse to stay away <laughs> from the pain. Um, just, that's an avoidance strategy as well. <laughs> um, you know, just for everybody listening right now, one thing I'll interject in this conversation, and we've talked about this in Mastermind a little bit, but a great strategy for overcoming adversity in general is being able to lean on social support. And there's actually, researchers have found that there is a protein in our brains called BDNF, which acts like a brain fertilizer. 
And that that um, brain fertilizer really proliferates when we are leaning on a social uh, support system for us. And that when that brain fertilizer propagates in our brain, it helps curb depression and it just lifts our overall mood. And I think that's what you're describing about this journey in Bali um, is that there's that opportunity to connect. And I, it sounds to me too, like you had this opportunity to connect with people in a non-judgmental way. And you had uh, almost this anonymity where you could you know, just pour your heart out. And it was, a, it was a little bit of a lower risk proposition because these weren't people that you were going to work with every day, as an example. So One Year No Beer wasn't your starting point for all of this important work that you did in Bali. Um, so when did we come into this journey? Uh, when did One Year No Beer come into this journey? And and why did you... Um, why did you believe uh, you needed one year no beer in your life? Um, I joined maybe on my day 25 or 26 when I was leaving Bali um, because my uh, stay there was exactly one month. And uh, I joined precisely because of the same thing I I actually went to Bali for uh, because I, I knew it was much easier for me to heal and to start exploring my issues away from home. But I was very acutely aware of the fact that I was at one point I was going back home and I wouldn't have this support circle uh, any longer. And my friends in Bali actually underlined how important it is to um, find a new support circle, not to abandon your friends completely. Obviously, there were some friendships I had to cut, but actually not so many in my case. But you need some people with whom you can share about this particular topic. And uh, one year no beer had been appearing on my Facebook uh, feed for, for quite some time. So it was pretty much an obvious choice for me, especially because I had checked the website before and uh, it really corresponded to uh, what I was looking for. So while I was leaving Bali, probably I actually joined when I was at the airport uh, waiting mm. for my flight back home. And when you joined One Year No Beer and you became integrated in the community, what did you find and, and how did it help you? Well, I found this refreshing oasis of goodwill and just loving energy in the midst of, you know, uh, this hateful place uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> called internet which is <laughs> yes. full of you know um, political discussions and uh, and hateful uh, disrespectful comments uh, on social media and then there was this this group of just loving people struggling people but precisely because they were struggling they were able to to understand and I wasn't very active actually I still I'm not super active in the group I don't share much but I go there 
every day I I check it. Um, I check the feed regularly. I now obviously there are people uh, that I have become friends with. I haven't met anyone in person yet, but it's planned with some. So I I until this very day I I use one year no beer as a support group, but also as a, a constant reminder why I am doing what I'm doing mm. and where I don't want to uh, to end up again. You know, um, that part of your story also resonates so much with me. We were talking about the other day when we joined One Year No Beer, and a few months after we did that, we got on an airplane and actually went to go physically meet other One Year No Beer members. And we met Rory and Jen, and we we met up in Reykjavik, Iceland. And again, the I think what you're describing, so many of us experience where the warmth of the community and meeting like-minded people who are focused on improving their lives and just hearing their stories and journeys is just really uplifting. And especially in this day and age, as you said, with all of the the vitriol and division that you can see proliferate on the internet. I watched a uh, documentary this week on Netflix called Social Dilemma, and it really uh, dives into this issue around the way uh, social networking tools are used today. And so I think um, the One Year No Beer community is such a pleasant exception to some of the things that were in that documentary. Absolutely. I actually watched it yesterday. Oh, okay. Coincidence. So, and I totally agree with what you're saying. And I have to say that both the people I met in Bali and One Year No Beer sort of have restored my faith in humanity. (laughs) And you said you're going to meet up with some One Year No Beer members, maybe in person. I hope so. Uh, I don't have the dates yet or the tickets or anything like that because of COVID, obviously, but it's definitely my intention. Um, I, yes, I've made wonderful friends on uh, both One Year No Beer and through Mastermind as well. And uh, I am definitely planning to uh, to meet them in person, maybe organize. So I've seen that people on on the challenges group, sometimes even organize sports events like mm. marathons or walks uh, together. So uh, I'm thinking of maybe organizing something similar. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. Well, um, maybe you should consider at some point going and doing like the Spartan World Championships with the team or something. Why not? Yes, Why not? Definitely. Right. <laughs> definitely an option. So speaking of mastermind, you decided to take mastermind. And first of all, I think before we jump into the discussion about that part of your journey, can you just explain to the listeners of the podcast who might not know what mastermind is, what the course is, and then um, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, what you were hoping uh, was going to happen when you signed up for mastermind. So Mastermind, uh, as I understood it at the beginning, is uh, meant for people who have um, uh, this issue of alcohol sort of sorted already. So let's say it's not on your mind 
every day, every minute. Uh, it's something, I mean, being alcohol-free is something that you do naturally. And this has been the case for me pretty much since maybe day 60, 65. Around that period, I started to just feel I had no cravings any longer. I didn't have to, you know, uh, persuade myself to or avoid certain situations. I just, being alcohol-free um, just had begun, had to um, uh, become this habit for me, this natural way of being. And uh, I found myself sort of goalless uh, in that period because I had just submitted my uh, PhD thesis uh, at the time. It was towards the end of March. And Mastermind was advertised as being meant for two groups of people, those who have no goal and are looking for one, or those who uh, had a goal but didn't really know how to uh, reach it. And I was obviously in the first group. So I was like, uh, why not? This is exactly what I need. I need to identify a new challenge uh, after eight years of focusing on this one thing. Mm. And uh, I signed up and I never regretted it. It's one of the best decisions I, I've made uh, in my life. I'm very grateful for it and very happy for um, what I what I achieved with the help of, of the group and yourself, obviously. And so what did you learn about yourself or during the program? Or were there things that you picked up in the mastermind that just really helped reinforce some of the key things you had already learned uh, from your time in Bali and from the early parts of your journey? Well, I learned that... To be truly happy, there needs to be a balance uh, between various aspects of your life. I mean, it, it may sound obvious, uh, but <laughs> many times we just um, neglect um, various parts of our lives and we favor others. And uh, for a long time, I focused on, let's say, work and uh, maybe just achieving in general. I am an achiever, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, it's not enough. If you if you want to be truly happy, you need to focus on your relationships. You need to focus on your well being, your your sleep, your nutrition. Really, the you know Maslow's triangle, and go from the very bases to the top. Mm. So this is probably the the biggest lesson I. I have for mastermind. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, um, I really was just joking when I was talking about, um, going and doing something like a Spartan world championship. And, you know, one thing I'll say to everybody listening to this is those are big goals. And certainly when we do those things, they, um, can really, um, change the way we feel about ourselves when we confront this really big thing. 
But sometimes when we confront these big things, these big goals, those things are really actually not congruent with who we are at all. So if we're a non-athlete and we decide, as an example, to go do one of these Spartan World Championships, we feel great about ourselves while we're training. We're trying really hard to transform ourselves. Then we get to the end of that event and we just go back to the life we had before. And I think part of what you're talking about here, Dominica, and part of what we explore in Mastermind together is that it's actually the small tweaks that create the breakthroughs. That it's not when the clouds part and the angels sing that there's this massive breakthrough in our life and suddenly we are transformed. That what transforms us is just getting 1% better every day. And that 1% better comes from a change in habits. And as you mentioned, habits around nutrition and movement and sleep. And of course, continuing to live our alcohol-free journey. So there are a lot of things that we can do to change the trajectory of our lives that don't require um, some you know, big pie-in-the-sky uh, goal. So it, it sounds like you you learned a lot of really important things about yourself so far on this alcohol-free um, journey that will contribute to your long-term happiness and fulfillment. Um, I understand that since you've been on this journey, you picked back up on some old interests, things that were hobbies that you uh, may not have been doing and you briefly mentioned them earlier. And then most importantly, you finished a goal that has been lingering for a while. Will you share some of uh, uh, of your story related to those hobbies and, and related to this goal? Absolutely. As I was saying at the beginning, uh, maybe one of the greatest motivations for me to go alcohol-free was my impression that I was losing myself i i wasn't the person i i knew <laughs> uh, when i was young you know someone who was passionate about um, books and cinema in particular and uh, learning in general uh, so um, for um, towards the end uh, my monkey brain just prevented me from enjoying those silent moments in, in a cinema theater, for example, or just focusing on uh, on a good book. I had basically stopped doing this completely. And this was probably my, my greatest wake-up call. Like Dominica, who doesn't read, or Dominica, who doesn't <laughs> go to cinema, that's, that's not possible. It's not her. So... Um, so, yes, I'm very happy to say that now I'm back. Well, COVID prevented me from <laughs> going to cinema for a while, but now I'm, I'm back on track. Uh, last week I went to see a three-hour, almost silent, black-and-white wow. movie about the World War II uh, in this constructed inter-Slavic language, which is exactly like me. This is who I am. Mm. <laughs> this is the kind of movies I, I usually go to. So so Dominica is back in this sense, for sure. And uh, as for that uh, long-term goal, the long-term project I finished, that's obviously the, the PhD. Mm. So I, as I said, I submitted a thesis in March and I, 
waited for the evaluations for for PhD dissertations. You need three. All of them were favorable. And uh, uh, last week of August, I went to Bratislava, Slovakia, where I uh, had been reading for that PhD, and uh, I successfully defended the thesis. So it uh, had only taken me nine years, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's done, and uh, I am uh, officially officially a doctor. And share with the audience when because when you were sharing some of the specifics with me about the PhD and what your thesis was on, will you share a little bit of that of the audience? I mean, it would it's so specific. Uh, and so interesting. I can't even no, say the word. It's it's onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's uh, words uh, that imitate sound, like for example, cuckoo or bang. Mm -hmm. It can be interjections, uh, but it can be words where you don't necessarily perceive this imitative motivation, we call it, any longer. Like, for example, shilling, the English word shilling uh, actually imitates the uh, the sound the coins make uh, oh. one against another. Uh, so I looked into the origins of these words in both English and Slovak, and I compared some of their characteristics. Wow. So again, very um, specific, uh, but I love it. I love it that you um, followed through on something that was important to you, that you um, found yourself again in this process and um, that that has now put you in this position of strength. And, you know, Dominica, this is the part of the story that I really encourage the listeners to um to listen to closely because this is the part of your story that inspires me so much. You know, that where we started this discussion, you felt uh, feelings of isolation or being alone, or you were worried about abandonment. And that part of this journey was then to just say, hey, wait a minute, I've lost myself in the relationships I've been in. I've lost myself in this life of um, alcohol. And I'm going to refine these things in my life, rediscover them that are the essence of who I am. And I'm going to love myself accordingly. And, you know, what I'd love to do for a minute here is just read a little bit from a post that you had in the Facebook Challengers group um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And I think it highlights this point, and I'd love to have you um, talk for a few minutes about this post and you know what inspired you. And I'm just going to read a portion of it for, for people listening today. So uh, this is from September 10th. Uh, Dominica says, today is day 263. I am on holidays in Greece and have just been to a goldsmithing course where I created this silver ring through the ancient technique of sand casting. It looks like a wedding ring, and that's okay. I intend to wear the hell out of it. Why? Because after many years of looking for happiness in others, which necessarily led to disappointment and consequently self-medicating with alcohol, today I feel I am finally ready to marry the only person that can give me the peace and protection I need, myself. Those are 
hugely powerful words that I get a lump in my throat when I read out loud. Can you talk about um, that post a little bit and and just provide a little more insight to the listeners about um, you know where that was coming from, what that was rooted in, um, and what you were expressing? I would say out of the 15 years maybe that I've been, you know, dating for since the age of 17, I've been single in total for maybe a year or so. So one of uh, the most important parts of my journey was and is still uh discovering my identity as a single person, as someone who is self-sufficient. And um, I am very self-sufficient in, uh, you know, my like work and uh, taking care of my uh, flat and uh, my cat, etc. But I, I haven't been this way in terms of my emotional needs. And I know it's crucial for me to learn how to love myself, take care of myself, and just to be okay with being alone. And uh, this fear of um, being abandoned, I obviously, I'm sure that all of us who have, uh, who are in, uh, in some, some people are in couples or uh, have children, doesn't really matter. You always fear losing those people. That's natural. It's part of loving someone and it will never disappear but what I really want to achieve is being sure that even if something like that happens in the future if in the future I am in in a couple again and if I lose this person again then I will survive and I will be able to overcome this and I will be the same person i will be the the greatest uh, source of support for for myself because so far after every breakup it felt as if i had to rediscover myself completely uh, sometimes i had to find new friends because we had common friends with that uh, person in question sometimes i had to find new hobbies or start looking for new places, uh, pubs uh, in the past to go because I had been going with that person. And now I'm really working on having a life, uh, a fully fledged 100% uh, Dominica's life uh, that will maybe be complemented one day by someone else. But uh that will be on top of those uh, 100% if you if you see what i mean mm. and i am i am not there yet uh completely obviously there are still moments where i i like company uh but uh it's i've made huge progress in this sense uh, as is obvious from my post for example i was on holidays uh, on my own uh, i really enjoyed myself and uh, what I'm working on right now is to be actually okay with being by myself, not only when I'm abroad and doing exciting stuff, but also when I'm, for example, at home and just doing the, the regular boring daily 
routine tasks, for example. But I'm getting there. I have uh, good tools also thanks to Mastermind and uh, especially thanks to the support I'm receiving from both the, the challenges group, uh, challengers group and, uh, and the Mastermind group I, I've uh, remained in contact with. You know, when I first read that post, I my initial gut response was, you know, I want my I want my daughter to understand this concept, right? This concept of a relationship won't necessarily um, uh, complete her that or, or I should say that a relationship shouldn't be used to complete her. And what I'll say is after I processed it for just a couple of minutes, what I realized was, no, this is not just a message for my daughter. This is not just a message for women. This message of yours, Dominica, is a very strong message for people in general. And that, you know, we when we get out of bed in the morning, whether we know it or not, consciously or unconsciously, we are trying to answer the same question every day, which is, am I enough? And a lot of times we lean on relationships to try to answer that question about whether or not we're enough. And um, until we can stand in front of a mirror and acknowledge and love ourselves, we are never really going to be someone who is um, uh, lovable by other people, especially if we're using other people to answer the question about whether or not we're enough. And this is where I think your story is such a story of strength. I hear you saying on one hand, uh, I hear you expressing optimism on one hand around, yes, I will be in a couple relationship at some point in my life. It will be loving. And I also can stand on my two feet and I can love myself and I can um, I can live independently and thrive. And I just think that that's such a, an important message for everybody listening. So, you know, looking to the future now, Dominica, what's next for you? You have accomplished a lot. Uh, you've learned a lot. What What's next? What kind of goals do you have for yourself in the future? That's a very good question. <laughs> uh, the other day, as part of Mastermind, actually, the two of us discussed this, and I expressed a bit of an apprehension that uh, actually after achieving the first goal I or achieving well may, making a huge progress on the first goal I set myself as part of mastermind uh, now again I am unsure uh, what um, I should do what uh, the next step should be and uh, you assured me and I've uh, actually arrived at the conclusion that this is uh, this is very true that we don't always need to have this uh, huge grandiose mm -hmm. goal uh, like uh, you know climbing Mount Everest or whatever. <laughs> Sometimes uh, the goal can be just keeping those um, streams of positivity as you call it so those different aspects of your life uh, from nutrition to sleep to connections uh, just keeping them in balance and this is probably what I am 
going to focus on uh, in the months to come. I would like to develop um, some friendships or deepen some friendships mm. uh, that I sort of neglected in the past. Then I obviously would love to work on the relationship with uh, uh, my new spouse, which is myself mm-hmm. <laughs> after the, those holidays in Greece. So so obviously on continuing working on loving myself and uh, that will be done through affirmations and pampering myself from time to time uh, but also discovering new stuff i've recently signed up for this pole dance class uh, <laughs> awesome. that uh, i'm really really enjoying uh, also because it's uh, it's very much like me it's very feminine it's very sensual but it's also um, a wonderful workout uh, so this is a minor side project i'm working on but i was i would say the project number one uh, I hope it doesn't sound too selfish, but uh, it's just me, uh, myself, and I. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it sounds too selfish at all. And I would just say that it, you know, it, it reinforces this thing around how important it is for us to love ourselves, to show ourselves compassion, to show ourselves forgiveness, to not live a life in shame where we hang our heads about where we've been in the past but instead to keep our chins up and to move forward and to continue learning in life. And it's funny because I think we are always so willing to grant um, compassion and forgiveness and love to other people, and so often we are unwilling to do the same thing for ourselves. So as we wrap up this podcast, what advice would you have for people listening? Um, perhaps people who are early in their journey and are dealing with triggers uh, they and maybe even lacking the self-confidence that they can be successful on this journey. What nuggets of wisdom do you have for them? I like to liken the first uh, days of going alcohol-free to a common cold. You know, we people, we adults uh, are actually quite childish sometimes. And uh, just uh, like when you have a common cold and you don't cut your tongue out just because it hurts, you know, or your throat, or you you don't... uh, uh, just put yourself on fire or jumped, uh, jump out of the balcony, you uh, just know that it will pass in a few days. Mm. And this is exactly the same case with booze. It, it will eventually pass. And we are very capable of um, enduring this and uh going through discomfort for a couple of weeks we the the humanity and people in general are are capable of uh, going through much more suffering than this so i would say i i would remain remind myself of um what someone else actually posted the other day in the challenges group uh being successful in pretty much every long-term endeavor um lies in the ability of choosing what we want 
the most over choosing what we want now. Mm. And uh, if you are struggling, just picture yourself, let's say three months, six months from now, and uh, being where those role models that you've been following on one, you know, beer who uh, have 500, 600 uh, days under their belt where they are. And yes, if you want to get there, then those two, three weeks of discomfort uh, have to be dealt with. And uh, are you, are you willing to make this investments? I'm uh, investment. I'm sure you are. Hmm. That is really awesome advice. And again, it just reinforces so much why I wanted to have you on this podcast, Dr. Dominika Yurikova. And so you got to get comfortable now hearing doctor in your name. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me this week um, and sharing your story with everyone. Thanks to you, Chris. Thanks uh, for having me once again. And I'm looking forward to continuing sharing our uh, experience and uh, little pieces of wisdom in both One You Know Beer and Mastermind. So for everyone who listened this week to the podcast, thank you so much. Um, I hope that you got as much out of that conversation uh, with Dominica as I did. I want to remind all of you listening that I am out there in the challengers group, Chris Laping. You can find me pretty easily. Don't ever hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to help uh, in any way possible. And I also want to invite any of you out there who are considering the mastermind uh, to uh, consider doing that in October with us. We are going to be kicking things off on October 5th. The mastermind is such a wonderful journey. I got to experience it first as a one year no beer member. And of course, I'm the proud head coach of that now today. And I would love to support you on your journey. So with all of that, I'm going to sign out on this week's podcast, and I hope that all of you make it a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself, head on over to oneyearnobeer.com. One